October 15th. And now, as we turn our attention to the New Testament, our reading today will come from the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. We'll read about conflict. Anyone who seeks to live for the Lord will have enemies. You can count on that. The weapon we use is prayer, and the purpose for which we pray is the sharing of the Word of God. Not everybody in the church at Thessalonica was devoted to the Lord, kind of like uh, our churches today, but Paul still asked for their prayers. We'll read about confidence. God's faithfulness to us is the basis for our faithfulness to Him. If we love Him, we will keep His Word, and we will be patient in times of trial. And we'll read about command. In his chapter-by-chapter Bible commentary, Warren Wearsby says the word command means a military order. Some of the Christian soldiers in the church were breaking rank and disobeying orders, and Paul had to admonish them. Those who cannot work must be cared for by others, but those who will not work must be disciplined. Never let the bad example of others keep you from being a good example. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. October 15th, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1-18 through 18. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, I, Paul, ask you to pray for us. Pray first that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be saved from wicked and evil people, for not everyone believes in the Lord. But the Lord is faithful, and He will make you strong and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are practicing the things we commanded you, and that you always will. May the Lord bring you into an ever deeper understanding of the love of God and the endurance that comes from Christ. And now, dear brothers and sisters, We give you this command with the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from any Christian who lives in idleness and doesn't follow the tradition of hard work we gave you. For you know that you ought to follow our example. We were never lazy when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It wasn't that we didn't have the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this rule. Whoever does not work should not eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and wasting time meddling in other people's business. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. No, we command them. Settle down and get to work. Earn your own living. And I say to the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them, so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but speak to them as you would to a Christian who needs to be warned. May the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace, no matter what happens. The Lord be with you all. Now here is my greeting, which I write with my own hand, Paul, 
I do this at the end of all my letters to prove that they really are from me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Psalms 34, 6-7 This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. In America, and in little circles where I function, love and how it gets expressed is in great measure controlled by how we think people are going to feel about what we say and what we do. America these days, it seems to me, and I see book titles bearing witness to it, are a people, not entirely, but in large measure with very thin skins. Very given to feeling like victims, feeling like they're offended and they're wounded and they're easily hurt and therefore it's always somebody else's problem we can put our bad feelings on. Which means that the way we express love to one another and to people we might think need a tough word gets restricted because we feel ourselves held hostage by their bad feelings. In other words, if they can convince us by body language or by words or by lifestyle that if we say this, they're going to feel bad, then we say, it's probably not the loving thing to say. So instead of the bottom line of love being a principle or biblical rule or really what's best for people, it's just feeling how they're going to feel if we do this or say this. What I'm saying is Christians ought to be different from our culture. We ought to be different. We ought not to have thin skin. The church ought to be a place with thick skin. Why? Because we don't get our significance and our stability and our security and our meaning and our worth from what people say about us. Do we? Do you? Fear, many of us do. It's a constant temptation to want to be liked, to want to have people say nice things about us, to want to be approved, and to get all of our joy and strength from day to day by the echo of what's coming back to us in what we say. Bad news. That is bad, bad, bad. That's the way human beings without Christ are. But we are different. Why? We are loved by God. We are chosen by God. We are forgiven by God. We are accepted by God. We are indwelt by God. We are strengthened by God. We are guided by God. We are secured by God. We're surrounded by God. He's underneath. He's on top. He's everywhere. What do we care? Or do we? Do we believe it? That's the issue. Do we believe that who we are, where we're going, how we get there is God's thing, not the world or even other Christians? And so I, I just plead with you 
not to be a part of the cultural thin-skinnedness so that when some hard word lands on you, true or false, some ugly criticism, some slander, or some legitimate rebuke, you don't do like the world. The world does generally one of two things. It shrinks into a little corner of self-pity and woundedness. Oh, poor me, how could you ever do that to me? And that's all. Or it sues you for harassment. And they're both flowing from the same issue of thin skin. People who don't have their bearings, they don't have roots. Everything is being governed by how you come in on to them. Don't be like that. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13. We'll read about restoration here in this psalm. We don't know from what crisis the Lord had delivered His people. Uh, perhaps it was the captivity in Babylon. His wrath had ended. Their sins were forgiven, and they had come home again. In times of divine chastening, rest in the Lord. We'll read about revival. When the refugees got back to the land, life was difficult. And very often they were ready to give up. God had used foreign enemies to uh, enslave them and capture them. Now God had forgiven their sins, but that did not make life a paradise. They wanted new life from God so they could rejoice in Him. New beginnings should lead to experiences of new life. And we'll read about responsibility here in Psalm 85. God forgives us that we might fear and serve Him. You must hear and obey His word and trust Him to send the needed increase. Mercy and truth met in His passion when Jesus died for the sin of the world. Righteousness and peace meet in His person. King of righteousness and King of peace, that's who He is. God's chastening is for your good and He is with you when it's ended. He will help you make a fresh new start for His glory. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Lord, you have poured out amazing blessings on your land. You have restored the fortunes of Israel. You have forgiven the guilt of your people. Yes, you have covered all their sins. You have withdrawn your fury. You have ended your blazing anger. Now turn to us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to distant generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for He speaks peace to His people, His faithful ones. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely His salvation is near to those who honor Him. Our land will be filled with His glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down His blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful crops. Righteousness goes as a herald before Him, preparing the way for His steps. 
Proverbs 25, verse 16. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much of it, or it will make you sick.